Hello there, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream podcast for Thursday, February 16th, 2023. I'm Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, joined as always by Mike Tanier, and into the off-season we go. We are both home from Phoenix. We are past the Super Bowl. We have reviewed the holding penalty. We have looked at the little touchdowns at the goal line we have said nice things about Patrick Mahomes and it's on to the off season wake up off season is here oh wait I I thought I got time off no wait no no I mean we'll both you know at some point you'll take time off I'll take time off Uh, with the July's coming kids (laughs) but I mean it's funny I was talking to a couple of people in Phoenix about this when the rest of the NFL takes time off I'm working right Right, because the NFL mostly takes time off in late May, June, and early July. Yes. yes. And that's when we're finishing the book. Yes. So my vacation is at the end of March. Right. But that's draft season for me. So if you right. really look at it, my season is year-round. <laughs> you can take uh, a vacation in June. Your chapters I, are usually in the I, I, I turn my chapters in, and you always yeah, send you that email out. Anyone who's available to uh, edit and proofread, and I'm like, erase, delete. Goodbye. <laughs> that was like a Brian Knowles job to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, reminding people who are watching live, of course, we'll take your questions and comments all throughout the offseason. We'll be here every Thursday in the offseason, 1 p.m. Eastern, doing our live stream and podcast. And we want to talk a little bit about your NFL offseason nonsense index, which you did for 2023 on Football Outsiders today. But before we do that, I wanted to ask your impression of the latest news in the NFL. And the main news of the last two days is that the Philadelphia Eagles lost both of their main coordinators to the last two head coaching jobs, with Shane Steichen going to Indianapolis and Jonathan Gannon going to Arizona. So I'm curious your thoughts about what it means for those teams and for the Eagles. Steichen for the Eagles is a dope, and Gannon for the Eagles is a woohoo. And that's not just coming off of a Super Bowl, in which Gannon was one of, I guess, the goats of the Super Bowl here. But uh, I don't know from the Eagles' standpoint structurally how super important both of these coordinators were. How much of it was that these coordinators did an outstanding job? How much of the offense was Sirianni? And how much of it is Howie Roseman put this team together where you could kind of say, go get them, boys, mixed with like that offense, which I think was partially Sirianni. So in both cases, it's a loss, and it's a loss in part because there's not a lot of veteran coordinators, coaches on the staff. When they they rise up, they're they're bringing younger guys up along the way. I'm not sure what either of them does as a – delegator as a as a guy at the top of the org chart um so it's kind of a wait and see um they're they're, they're kind of already like sharpening the knives in indianapolis i don't know if you saw this but Steichen in the sirianni tradition didn't give a very good press conference um although i thought his press conference was great because among the things he said was we we pass to score and then run to win yeah. which is of course the way you're supposed to do it so yeah, he sounded pretty analytically smart and during his press conference, but I guess he didn't play. Did he not play nice with the press? I don't. Why was I, it a negative press conference? I don't know. The indie star went after him pretty quickly. I don't know if that's just like let's let's set a tone in terms of uh, like this columnist is going to be you know the devil's advocate or whatever. But it was pretty stunning 
Now, this team that had Jeff Saturday coaching a couple of weeks ago was going to go after a guy who, you know, helped a team score 34 points in the Super Bowl, 35 points. Um, you know, Gannon has already said, you know, we consider Mario a franchise quarterback or an elite quarterback, something like that. That's that's probably soothing words. The big the news coming into Philly is that Vance Joseph might be coming from Arizona to Philadelphia to be a defensive coordinator. I think that would be good. He's got a good track record. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That almost feels like a win for the Eagles. If they come out of this with a veteran defensive coordinator like Vance Joseph on one side, and it's still Sirianni's group and structure, and, you know, Brian Johnson is uh, – Yes, the quarterback's coach. Brian Johnson is likely the next offensive coordinator, right? Yes. Former ACDC lead singer Brian Johnson is the new coordinator, and I'm impressed by that. And, yeah, Todd Singer's right. I, that's, that's a good comment. So I don't know what's going on in Indianapolis, but – I think they're fair hires. I just hate to be the the Cardinals right now and just waited a month to get the guy who sort of got short sheeted by Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. That I was going to say the Gannon hire to me is that's the strange one because Steichen is a young offensive mind, and every yeah. every team now wants a young offensive mind, and especially if you're going to draft a quarterback, you want a young offensive mind. And like Todd Singer just posted who the Colts drafted quarterback will move the needle more than the Steichen hire, but they want the young offensive line to go with the young quarterback. Right. I'm not Gannon. I don't quite know what made Gannon a top candidate other than the Eagles had a good year on defense. 76. Um, he's not, he, he's not a, um, I mean, I don't think he was thought of as a massive like designer of defense. Right. And um he was never really a candidate before this year, and he's not a young offensive mind. You expect all the young offensive minds to get jobs. If, if you know, D'Amico Ryan's was sort of an exception, but yeah. um, you know, I mean, G Gannon is the hire that makes me go, you know, scratch my head about the minority issue, right? Like, why not Eric Bieniemy? Right. Well, look at it. Look at it this way. Now, of course, the the um, the Cardinals can't hire Steve Wilkes because he was coaching there a couple of years ago. Right. But compare Gannon to Wilkes and say who seems like they would be a better head coaching candidate right now. And you've got right. Wilkes who kind of rises up, takes over a team that was falling apart, keeps everybody together, demonstrates that he has this sort of like top of the org chart ability, did it in the past and was a strong coordinator versus Gannon. They got me a dream team. I got 70 sacks, which is nice. But like you don't see a lot in the Eagles defense. We say that was that was the coordinator. I think Wilkes is a better coach. I think Wilkes yeah. looks like a better coach, but oh, he, you know, he already lost this opportunity with the Cardinals. Okay, so why didn't the Colts look at him? Why didn't some other team look at him? Um, right. Luckily, Wilkes is now the 49ers defensive coordinator, and the Rooney rule, I think, is now the just hire the 49ers defensive coordinator rule and give them the, uh, you know, that's that's the only pathway. Evero is the other one I would have thought of. Yeah was the other young defensive mind. If you wanted a defensive mind rather than an offensive mind, and you wanted to think about a minority who had not already coached on your team. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. Uh, I think Ejiro Evero, who is now in Minnesota, I believe, he will now be Minnesota's defensive coordinator. I think so. There's a lot of coordinators just moving laterally. Yeah. And he's leaving, you know, replacing Donatello, who had a bad year as a coordinator, in part because he had an entire defense sort of full 30-somethings 
who couldn't move anymore. And it's like, well, let's play a lot of shell because these guys can't move anymore. But that'll be this 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 young man's problem, and they'll probably get younger on defense. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go through the uh, nonsense index, and we're gonna go we're gonna go through the whole thing, starting with your honorable mention, and we're gonna talk about a little bit of some of these stories. Your first honorable mention in the nonsense index was Derek Carr nonsense. Yeah. Where is Derek Carr going? There's so many teams. I'm doing the um, the way too early DVOA projections will come out later today. And it's right. so it was so hard to do because right. normally it's like, okay, adjust the teams for whatever injuries the quarterback had last year and then assume it's the same quarterback going into next year and you're good. There's so many teams that are going to change quarterbacks this offseason. And Carr is probably the second best available guy if you consider if you think that Rodgers will be traded, but Jackson will be franchised. Right. Then Rodgers is probably the best available guy, and then Carr would be second. And Carr is the most fully available guy. He is now not just a free agent, but because he was released, a free agent that you don't have to wait for free agency for. Right, and you don't have to do uh, comp- comp- compensation picks. There's no compensatory yes. pick. Right, right. So this is a guy you can just get. Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to do a thing for Monday, like what does Derek Carr have left? And I don't have the answer to that question right now because I plan to do that thing for Monday and I haven't like really looked, dug into the stats yet. But you know, in terms of I don't think this is going to be a lot of offseason nonsense because Carr, he was just released. He is available. He's going to get picked up by a team. And that's the end of the story. So it's not nonsense. Like everything that happens in the offseason isn't just goofy, silly nonsense. Like sometimes it's a transaction that might help a team. And that's what I think Carr falls under the category of. That said, over the next couple of weeks, there's probably going to be a lot of five teams that Derek Carr can help, five reasons why the Buccaneers should sign Derek Carr, things like that. I feel like the Carr nonsense is the Saints. The nonsense is the idea that the Saints yes. could ever fit him under their cap. That's the nonsense. Not the idea that he might go to some other team. Oh, they, they the the Buccaneers are also in pretty bad cap shape, but they 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 have an easier way of getting out of it than the Saints do, I think. But yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's Artie, not Carr himself that's the nonsense. Yeah, Artie Lonsi, by the way, uh, your Giants are not going to get Lamar. I mean, word on the street, Artie, you've probably heard this: is that there's a Daniel Jones extension in the works. Um, so that that and that might happen relatively soon. And I'm hearing numbers like I think Jordan Renan said that there were numbers in the range of 35 million a year for for da- Daniel Jones. And I'm like, I don't mind the idea of 35 million a year for two years for Daniel Jones for five years that you're like, yeah, right, 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 right. So a little bit of a reward with a wait and see and maybe an option. So that so the the Giants made the nonsense index, but not so much in that respect. If as far as Lamar Jackson goes. Unless somebody can blow the Ravens away with a trade offer, yes, he, he's getting franchised. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it, it's just such an intractable situation right now when you throw in all the variables. And the idea that they're going to be able to like franchise him and then negotiate a trade off the front, drop the tag and negotiate a trade or, or give him the release and some other team's going to negotiate a contract. Nobody... Right now, nobody can negotiate with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> like, like, I like, think that you need to be a team that could trade the Ravens a pick that they could yes. use on a quarterback. And the yeah, Giants yeah. don't have that pick. The Falcons have that pick. Maybe. That's what the Falcons keep coming up. But that, 
that's way down on the nonsense index. No, that's way down on the on the, on the, the, on the index list. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll let Casey hijack yeah. the show. Yeah. Allen versus Burrow. They're both great, but who would you rather have? Oh, I want Josh Allen. I want to be able to, to do the running things with him. I want that. The ability to just like just do complete deep chaos with him, but it's very close because Burrow seems to be much better decision maker. I uh, subscribe to some of Kevin Cole's research where he try has tried to adjust quarterbacks for a lot of different variables. If you look at the ESPN receiver metrics that they now do with the next gen stats, the Bengals receivers come out really high. Right. Well, I think there is a reasonable argument that Burroughs receivers make him look like they take him from a nine to a 10. Okay. You know, that Allen's sort of maybe a 10 on his own. Well, yeah. maybe Allen's a nine on his own and Burroughs receivers take him from an eight to a nine. Mahomes is the 10. Right. But um, I don't think Allen, other than Diggs, Allen is not getting as much help as Burrow is getting from the receivers. I would lean toward I would lean towards Allen, yes, for that reason, for the just pure traits, the pure traits mixed with he's had success, not like I'm looking at some trait monster but in the. Draft. It's a little bit similar to the Allen versus Herbert debate that we had in the off season right. last off season when we did tears, which was the idea was you want Herbert in the regular season and you want Allen in the playoffs because you need the wider variety, you know, the wider variance of Allen in the mm -hmm. playoffs because you want that super awesome game right. to happen in the playoffs. Right. But Burrow has some pretty super awesome games too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess if you made me choose, I would say Allen, but it's, I mean, on my MVP ballot this year, I put Allen second and I put Burrow fifth. Okay. Interesting. I actually put Trevor Lawrence ahead of Burrow. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Because I know I you're going to say well, a lot less help. Fair enough. Um, but and I had hurts. I had hurts third. Um, let's go on with the draft nonsense. Let's talk more. This is more uh, honorable mention nonsense. Yes. Draft nonsense. So I have to hit you with why Clark Brooks, the SEC stat cat, said that Will Levis will be drafted high. He led the SEC in deep accuracy. Accuracy when behind the chains and performance under pressure. Plus, he's six foot four with a strong arm and moves well. I don't know what deep accuracy is, but he's not accurate deep. So that's false. <laughs> that is false. I don't, I mean, he probably has a high completion rate. I can probably go on SIS and look at his completion rate. He's not, he underthrows passes deep. What was the other thing? Besides uh, being tall. under pressure, and that he's tall and moves well. He is not good under pressure. He winces the ball under pressure. I don't know what statistic that guy is using for it, but this he's is a guy it's interesting. We should have Clark on because Clark, like he um he charts every SEC game. Uh-huh. So he's very like tuned into the SEC. He's watched every play, like he's watched all the Levis. Yeah. I I've watched a lot of Levis. He's bad. <laughs> bad quarterback. He's a bad Will Levis is a bad quarterback. He's not good. He's it's not good at quarterback. I mean, he's going to go in the top 10. Like, I I mean, I guess we were saying this about Malik Willis last year, and we proved to be wrong. Right. 
This has more and stats. Maybe, maybe teams won't, but it feels like a combination of the value of quarterbacks and the number of teams that need quarterbacks. It just feels like those top four guys, Stroud, Young, yes. Richardson, and Levis, in some order, are going in the top 10. Yeah, you're right. I, I think three of them that makes sense for, and the other one is just this Trubisky, but worse level mistake i'll just say he's deep accurate in the way Tua is deep accurate now granted he does not have tyreek hill but if if you love a deep completion where you can see both the defender and the receiver slowing down for the ball and then the receiver out jumps the defender if that's what you like as deep accuracy that's great when i look at that and i say oh my god that's that's his deep ball that's his calling card it it, it reminds me a little of zach wilson it reminds me a little bit of that kid who was like being talked about as a as a first round pick briefly earlier this time last year. I believe his name was Strong. Connor Strong from Nevada, yes. From Nevada, Nevada. And just the more people looked at him, and he also like behind the scenes, more people talked to him like, no, this isn't really going to work. But I mean, Levis isn't quite that level, but it's similar to that. Like, look, look at this arm, and you look at it, and it's like, I looked at it. It's not, it's not. I saw a mock draft this week that had Richardson number one. You probably there's a lot of mock drafts. They're saying something to get clicks. That sounds like nonsense. That sounds like mock. That sounds like mock draft nonsense. That That's sounds not, like I'm trying to get clicks. Yeah, Malik Wallace. We were putting him. I mean, I put him in like number two or number three early on, uh, and I was skeptical about whether that was really the case. But that was extreme because you had somebody from a smaller program who, like, when you did more work on him realized yeah he's not at that tier this these are richardson's at a top program but you're stuck for for the next couple months we're stuck saying bryce young is number one unless we want to like say something and then we're going to put somebody besides bryce young number one right it basically it depends on does your mock draft have trades yes if your mock draft has trades then young is number one yes and if your mock draft does not have trades then Will Anderson is number one because Chicago keeps the number one pick, even number though one. none of us think Chicago will actually keep the number one pick. But we'll get to that. Oh, we got, yeah, that's the nonsense. <laughs> number 10 on the nonsense can down, banning the push sneak. Guys are coming after me on Twitter. There are fans, there are long, longtime readers who do not like the push sneak. They think it's like bogus, that it's it's corny. I don't hear so much that like they're worried about anybody getting hurt, but it's like, oh, it's just it's just a. It reminds me of the CFL. Okay. Because in the CFL, the neutral zone is a yard wide. Right. So the defense has to line up a yard away from the ball. So third and one, you know, in the CFL, which is the equivalent of fourth and one, right, is essentially a gimme. Right. Right. Like it is really hard to fail on third and one when your quarterback, when the defense is a yard away from and the quarterback just has to go a yard. Right. So if fourth and one becomes in the NFL becomes similar to third and one in the CFL, in far as how easy it is, I mean, that's great for offense. If you like offense and you like extended drives and you don't like punting, then that's great. Because if it will encourage more coaches to go for it on even more fourth and ones, then that, I think, makes for a better game. My feeling about the push sneak is if you do not install that next year, mm-hmm. if it's still legal next year and you do not install it, you are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, now remember, Mahomes will not run sneaks. Rodgers will not run sneaks. That's why you put the backup quarterback in for the sneak. That's fine. Get Brissett. Bring Brissett in. Because you want a quarterback who takes snaps for a living and could run a play if you wanted to choose. This came up in Phoenix. Like, Jacoby Brissett would be a perfect backup for Mahomes. Like, a really good, like, he could do all the short yardage things if Mahomes, if you're afraid of Mahomes getting injured. And then he uh, runs around a little bit, has a little bit of a similar style, you know, just an inferior similar style. And he's better than anybody thinks, honestly. Yeah. Like, that would be a really good backup for Mahomes. Good backup for Rodgers, too, because if you've ever, like, read, like, Brissett's Instagram and stuff, like, he's kind of a deep <laughs> thing. He, he can walk up behind Aaron Rodgers and be like, do fish get thirsty? And Rodgers would just be like, whoa, I have to go ponder that. No, they keep Rodgers on the straight and narrow a little bit. So there's a lot of advantages. Number nine on the nonsense index was Saquon Barkley and free agent running back nonsense. What crossed my path this morning? Uh, are the Giants and Barkley headed towards a $13 million a year contract? And I almost walked into the woods when I read that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't hate the idea of franchising saying Saquon Barkley. That's about $9 million one year, rent him another year, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the moment you're putting like a, a Derrick Henry or heaven forbid Ezekiel contract in front of any of these free agent running backs, you're missing the point of pretty much everything. When you look at the number of running backs who will be available, starting with the free agents, yep, including Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and Devin Singletary and Tony Pollard, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt. And then you add in the fact that the deepest position in this draft may be running back. Yes. And you can probably get a guy as good as Kareem Hunt or Miles Sanders in the fourth or fifth round. Agreed. Who comes much cheaper. I don't know why anybody would want to give a big contract to any of these running backs at all. Right. And you can do this thing where in the NFL it only takes one, but one team isn't going to go and get – Five free agent running backs, you know, it's right. like, so, so like the most likely scenario is I would say, okay, Saquon gets franchised again. There's a logic behind that. Raiders are going to move on from Josh Jacobs. Almost it looks like it got, there was a lot of talk in the preseason last year. Zamir white was going to be the hot thing. And then all of a sudden Jacobs got all the carries for the whole year. But I mean, if they believed in Zamir white, right. I don't know. Part of me feels like if they believed in Zamir white, and he's the replacement. And part of me feels like if they believed in Zamir White, why was he not playing at all this year? That's another question. I don't know what, what happened in, in, on the interior there. I mean, Josh Jacobs sees the job. He's like, this is who I am. And like, yeah. undeniable. And you have uh, McDaniels liking to run like I formation, power running more now. But that's different when you have to pay the guy more and you have to like extend this out further. And this sounds like the the, the McDaniels camp is like now thinking in terms of getting their own guys in, which is going to be really great because after two years, you want to start gobbling up old, old, old Patriots. We all know that's a key to success. So Jacobs moves on. The Eagles will just move on. I mean, the Eagles have like money that they have to like, like, like clench on right now. So yeah, there are other positions that are way more important for them than they can make Kenneth Gainwell the starter. Right. So there's going to be, you know, like, like two years and $20 million type deals in front of these big time guys. And that's what it's going to be. And anyone who's like speculates otherwise is just sort of missing the point. Right. We should add, by the way, that this also hurts Bijan Robinson's draft status. 
Because yes. with B. John Robinson, it's the same thing. It's why should you use a first round pick on B. John Robinson right. when you can either get one of these free agents at a reduced cost or get one of these guys in the fourth or fifth round that looks so good at the senior bowl. Yeah. The draft is super deep at corner. Like I'm trying to look at this draft. It's like, it's not a great draft class, but man, it's deep in corner. So like if I'm at like 15, 16, 17, 18, it's like, do I get a Trent McDuffie type? Or do I go get Bijan? I'm going to get a Trent McDuffie type. And I'm going to go grab Dav- Davin Singletary. And yeah. that's going to be, the, that's how I'm going to approach it. Number eight on the nonsense index, Washington commander's ownership nonsense. Don't you are basically like, I don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, I like, like the idea, because like, oh, good, Dan Snyder is going to do that. Dan Snyder is not going to be forced to do anything. The worst thing that happens to Dan Snyder is he gets billions of dollars for this company he ran into the dirt. And the replacement, like I was thinking, do people think like Bruce Wayne is out there looking to buy a team? But then I had the other question. I think Bruce Wayne would be a good NFL owner. Um, I don't think. Well, actually, it's an interesting question because you would think that Wayne has so much other stuff that he's concentrated on all the new technology that Wayne Industries is producing for Batman. Yeah. That he would be a very hands off owner, like a Lurie or a Kraft. Like, I'm going right. to hire the football guys to run the football. Right. But then I'm I'm going to just show up in the owner's box with my lady of the week. Right. And so right, because that's part of that's part of Bruce Wayne's uh, image is that he's always got the different ladies yeah. on his arm, right? And then I'll watch my team win, and then nobody will know what I'm doing after the game when I go out as Batman. I think he probably would be a good owner. I think so. I mean, you'd worry every time we see the Gotham Knights in a Batman story, the stadium's getting blown up, Bane blew it up in the movie, <laughs> he almost killed Heinz Ward. Um, but even in like the cartoon, and as a Gotham Knights game, it's like it's going to be attacked by Joker. Yes, we know that, but. But yeah, I mean, in real life, however, there is no Bruce Wayne to go out there and buy this team and be that hands-off guy. It'll be someone horrible. Alfred, maybe Todd Singer would be making the day-to-day decision. Maybe Lucius Fox. We don't, or maybe he'd bring in, you know, he'd bring in a football guy. He would bring in a football guy. Alfred would turn it into a soccer team. Howie Roseman would be making the day-to-day decision. Wayne Howie would be completely hands-off. <laughs> um, number seven on the non-text nonsense index. Teams going all in. Sorry. Okay, sorry. How does Batman deal with one of his players gambling or smoking weed? Ba- Batman has not like beaten up a pot dealer probably since the 1969 or something like that. So I think we're okay. It's probably there. legal since Batman probably since Gotham is probably somewhere in the northeast. My guess yes. is that it's in a state where gambling and smoking weed are both legal now. Right. Uh, you're probably right. And there's, I mean, casinos in Gotham. Yes, um, I'm right. Iceberg right. Lounge is a casino. Yeah. Obviously. Yes. yeah. Okay. <laughs> where, where, where were we? The Iceberg Lounge is where you can go to get high and gamble with the Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Young says Tony Stark would be a meddlesome NFL owner. Well, we saw in Iron Man 2, he has like a, a Formula One team and he was very hands-on. I think he was halftime in a Knicks game. So yeah, he he would be very meddlesome. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example of who would be like like that. Kind of like, I mean, he's... Jerry Jones? No, that can't be right. No. I, I don't know who would be... To- I don't know who's the equivalent of Tony Stark because I don't know which millionaires 
you know, billionaires like did the technology for their company, right? Like yeah, right. Jeff Bezos is, is not working on the technology of Amazon on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. The richest men in the world are much more Bruce Wayne than they are Tony Stark. The Seahawks guys, Paul Allen and them. Yes, I guess the Microsoft guys. Yeah, right. they're that's more, the generation more Stark age. But that's software rather than hardware, I guess. Mm. Um, what do you think about teams going all in? It's interesting because um, teams going all in, what we saw this year was the exact opposite yes. of teams going all in, right? Like what uh, the, the Rams win and the Chiefs, the Chiefs deliberately took a step back this year, yes. made a trade that was much more about being contenders for years to come rather than this year. Yes. And then won the Super Bowl anyway. Yes. So that's not all in. We've had debates about the Eagles. I do not believe the Eagles went all in. The Eagles went out and got additional first-round picks in future years. They got young players that they added to their roster. Um, but, like, I, I included that specifically because in a couple of weeks we're going to be in Indianapolis. And I just know how these combine questions go. And every GM is going to go up and they're going to be asked about their free agents and they're going to say nothing. They're going to be asked about some other team's free agent, which is a violation, and they will say that's a violation. And then they'll be asked, you know, with the trend towards teams going all in this year, you know, where do you stand philosophically on that? And they'll mumble nonsense. And somehow that will turn into articles for somebody along the way. Hopefully somebody will say the smart thing, which is the Chiefs didn't go all in. I think you're a year late with your question. That's actually, yeah. I remember, I remember um, Jim Harbaugh just shooting somebody down like that really hard once. And you feel bad for them but at the same time. It's like, don't come with stupid questions. Um, Thordane says, I'm late. So apologies if it's been discussed. We didn't discuss this. Okay. Any thoughts about Rex Ryan possibly going to Denver? I remember him as a power struggle guy with the Jets. So it seems like another chaotic element to throw in. I'll add, by the way... Westhoff, apparently they're interested in Westhoff as their special teams coordinator. So there's a little bit of a getting the gang back together here. Westhoff has been out of the game for a little while. He's, uh, yeah. you know, he's it's been a little bit. I don't, I don't know necessarily if I would look at him in any more than a consultant role, but I, I'm trying to think how power struggling Rex Ryan was. When he was at the Ravens, I didn't get a sense. I never got a sense with the Ravens that he was, he was, yeah, power yeah. struggling with Harbaugh or, or, or anything like that. No, I, I feel like he would take over the defense and do the defense. Rob worked uh, successfully with Sean in the past. Uh, so, you know, that's a possibility. I guess I don't hate it. I love it from a nonsense standpoint because adding Rex Ryan to all of these goofy characters in my little tale that's going on in the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the Denver, it makes the Denver story just crazier yeah. and crazier. Right, um, right. Well, Inzig was, meh. Idzig was... Uh, Nordane says he beat out the old general manager and fought Idzig to a draw. Idzig was not strong. Was it Was it Tannenbaum before Idzig? I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say he probably won a power struggle with, with, with Mike Tannenbaum. Um, and Idzig came in, and that was during the Revis mess. And I don't know if that was so much a power struggle as like a power vacuum. So, but I feel like if, if he takes a coordinator job, he's not necessarily power struggling with the GM or power struggling with Peyton. He's yeah. It very much would be Peyton being like, okay, I don't know defense. You run the defense. I'll run the offense. Yeah. Peyton is still the final word though, right? Like, yeah. There's no power struggles against Sean Payton. There's no power struggles against Sean Payton. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even turn into Ditka and Buddy. Like, no. 
Like Ryan would take the job knowing Peyton's in charge. Yes, yes. And he would have a complete fiefdom over there. And there's no power struggles from below on Sean Payton. If there's stuff from above, that's different. Uh, number six on our nonsense index is Dallas Cowboys nonsense, which seems to be a feature of every offseason. Yep. And by the way, every season, too. Yes, because that's what they do. That's how they like it. They are born into the darkness. Um, but, <laughs> that's a totally wrong quote. But I mean, I, I just noticed, and I saw like Dak Prescott musings like coming across my, my desk. And it wasn't he got booed as man of the year or anything like that. It's like, it was like the value of Dak Prescott. And we're just going to wake up four or five times in the offseason, and it's going to be a Dak Prescott day. And somebody will have written something about Dak, or Stephen Jones would have muttered something. And then we'll have like two or three days of, you know, Dak is X, Dak is Y, Dak is Z. I, I do feel like we have more of a need to fight the Dak is overrated point of view than we do of fighting the Dak is underrated point of view. That's fair. I feel like the number of people who say Dak isn't any good right. is much higher than, than the number of people who say, who ignore Dak's interceptions entirely. Right. Even though both of those are problematic viewpoints. I, I feel like we have, we have to go to bat for Dak a lot, a lot more than we have to tear him down. I worry about that, like, we're always reacting to this complete straw man argument that's coming from angry Eagles fans, angry Giants fans, angry racists, angry just anti-Cowboys people. And it's not like a lot. So it's like, you're wrong about Dak. And those people know they're wrong about Dak. They're just they're just being, like, trolley hater type of things. And I worry about what kind of evaluation we get about him. But, yeah, like I said, he, he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, the idea he's not the reason, like – the biggest reason I feel like the Cowboys aren't winning is, I mean, I hate to say this, but random variation, right? They just, they've been one of the top teams for two years and they, they just had a bad game in the playoffs against another top team. It happens. Yeah. I mean, they tend to have like, like pretty solidly bad games. I, I feel like they're never optimized. This is what I about the Cowboys. Like yeah. you, you go out there with like these extreme high level players and it's never an optimized situation. And I think part of that comes from you don't have quite the kind of general management structure that you would have on another team from, you know, McCarthy's regime is going to be McCarthy's regime. And it's not always going to be like, like completely fundamentally sound. And, and you get that. But that doesn't reflect on Dak. I'm blank, man. My worry for this year is the idea that McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer are going to call plays like does not seem like an improvement to me. You'll have curl flats and shallow drags. You'll have both kinds, <laughs> you'll have both kinds of passing plays. It's going to be amazing. But that's it. It's like we're going to try to optimize this team. How? By getting rid of Kellen Moore, who seemed like he was at least an idea factory. Get ready to have the same arguments about Dak Prescott next December that we had about Justin Herbert this year. Get ready to have the same arguments about Justin Herbert that we had about Justin Herbert this well, year. Well, at least Justin Herbert has a new offensive coordinator. Right? And I think it is an upgrade. I think Kellen Moore is an upgrade. But you're right about that. Like, you're coming into, why is everything a short pass? Why are they not, like, challenging people deep more with C.D. Lamb, et cetera? Yes, Thordane says, Schottenheimer shows the 2011 Jets are once again impacting the NFL across the board. Wow. It really is. Uh, number five. Brock Purdy and Trey Lance nonsense. Yeah. Well, and I was reluctant to put them this high or even put them on the list because it's a legitimate quarterback controversy for a championship caliber team. 
But man, this is going to be a bull snot factory because we have two quarterbacks that we know very, very little about in actuality. And we're going to have to sort of debate their merits based on Aaron has left the building. Aaron had power problems all of a sudden. So Aaron has power problems. And my point in the article is we really don't know what Trey Lance is at all. And we barely know what Brock Purdy is at all. One of them is about to take over a playoff team, which is great. But I think I'm bracing for every OTA, like the, the OTA stories of Trey Lance throwing three interceptions in a seven on seven drill and it and it making ESPN. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm bracing for all of those, you know, podcasts in the middle of the offseason where somebody goes on uh, you know, ESPN and says, Well, Brock Purdy, you know, should be given the starting job right away. I, I'm bracing for trade rumors about Lance, all of this stuff. So for in, in terms of there being just a constant source of a diet of garbage coming out of San Francisco, I think that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, Bill Monty says, as a commander's fan, a roll of toilet paper is better than Dan Snyder. Going from the worst to even just bad is hopeful at this point. Well, I mean, I think the problem with the sort of the ownership nonsense in Washington is sort of, do you really think that Snyder is giving up this team? Like, it feels like like the idea is nonsense. Yeah, the, the idea feels like nonsense that this is all rigmarole to keep people off his back, to run the clock until, you know, the storyline flips, et cetera. And the, the number one name that popped up was Bezos. And I'm like, well, oh, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. You know, we, we can't wait for that. But I, I think you're right. Like, like box store fortune tycoon X is probably better than Dan Snyder, but it's going to be months before that even becomes a reality if it becomes a reality. In yeah, I don't think either of us is questioning that it would be better to get rid of Dan Snyder. It's more yeah. we're questioning, is Dan Snyder really going anywhere? Or is it just a bunch of nonsense talk that goes no? Right. And I also complain about it. Like, we don't know anything about this. Like, I actually do. Like, we can actually get a source on X, Y, Z, something on the field. I have no idea what goes on at the ownership group level. So when people ask me, what do you think is going to happen with Dan Slender? I have no idea. I'm not. That's halls of power beyond the halls of power. And, 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 you know, frankly, again, I don't care because right now he's running the organization into the ground. He's been doing it for decades. And we're stuck with it. Number four on the nonsense index is Bears draft and Justin Fields nonsense. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting one because I feel like some of the nonsense is coming from us, from our people, in that there is an interesting argument about whether the Bears should draft a quarterback, number one. Which is an interesting argument in two ways, because one way it could go is, should the Bears draft a quarterback number one and trade fields? Okay. And the other, which I think is actually the one that more analytics people are actually arguing for, is should the Bears draft a quarterback number one and have that guy compete with fields? Oh, for God's sakes. But it's no, it, it is an interesting idea. That will never happen. <laughs> it's a total, it's a totally like cloud in the sky, imaginary concept that will never, ever happen. So we can talk about whether it would be a good idea. It, but it's never both, it would, they would both just get obliterated with no offensive line and no receivers. Right. Like, so the, 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 um, the comparison is brought to the Cowboys when they used the number one pick on Troy Aikman and then <laughs> – and then used a uh, supplementary number one pick on Steve Walsh and had the two of them compete with each other. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. But the yeah, Cowboys that's... had already made the Herschel Walker deal. Mm-hmm. So they had already added all this other stuff mm-hmm. that helped them to judge which of those two was the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then they figured out that Aikman was the better quarterback, and they traded Walsh for other draft picks. Mm-hmm. And that's... it didn't wreck Aikman's psyche to have to compete with Walsh. Mm-hmm. But the problem, I think, with the Bears that you bring up is unlike the Cowboys of 1992, the Bears are not, they don't, they haven't had the, they haven't added the, the stuff around the quarterback. So if you had a Fields versus Bryce Young competition or a Fields versus Stroud competition, I don't know if you'd learn which one was better because they still would have nobody to throw to and no protection. Right. I mean, as, as interesting as that 35-year-old uh, 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 sort of uh, example might be, right, they, the, the, they already had a bunch of draft picks. Um, and they were also like in a position where they could live through a, you know, one in one in 15 season with Troy Aikman and that many interceptions and all of that. And then go the next year with a couple of first round picks and add that much more talent. Aikman also came in with one of the great draft classes for the ages where he came in with Mark Stebnoski and Russell Maryland. So it's like, yeah, this will work as long as you have extra draft picks, draft perfectly, live in the era uh, before, you know, salary caps and things like that and all the other things that would apply to the to the Cowboys. I don't see it. Now, I will say Jason LaConfora was on Twitter saying he was talking to GMs at the Senior Bowl who think Fields is the one getting dealt. Yeah, see, so that I also feel that is more likely to happen. But I still don't feel like it's going to happen because if Fields is dealt and he works out and the guy you drafted didn't, you lose your job and you never get another one. That's it. That's it. Right. That That is it. That you're done forever. You're done forever. And that's a variable that we don't always put in in analytics, because if we make a mistake, it's like next year we're sitting here on the podcast. So you are done forever. You are just like pace yeah. trading for Trubisky. And then like, oh, you missed on, up on Patrick Holmes. Good job. Oh, you, you know, you went and got Bryce Young and you, he had nobody to throw to. And he kind of fell apart after two or three years. And Justin Fields went to the insert team X here. And he didn't, doesn't even have to have blossomed, but turned into, you know, Ryan Tannehill or something like that. And you and you coughed him up. So Fields field um, is very interesting to me because yeah. people have followed me for a long time. They know my general feeling, mm-hmm. which is that after two years, if you have not had a year where you are a better passer than replacement level, yeah. that's it. You're cooked. Like the number of quarterbacks who have built a career after two straight years below replacement level is tiny. Like Brian Greasy is like the best one. Josh Allen technically qualifies because he had like minus two DYAR or something. Right. He wasn't below replacement level in his second year. He had improved a lot in his second year. Fields has been horrible as a passer for two years. Mm -hmm. But he's had nothing around him. and his rushing value is immense. Right, right. So it's kind of like this is enough of a square peg to not sort of stand on some sort of analytics precedent along the way. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. By the way, uh, he, I, I was mentioning before the podcast, he said something to the effect that he has trouble adjusting to cold weather and he wishes the Bears had a dome. Which is not a good thing to say if you are the quarterback of a cold weather team with a cold weather stadium. It's honestly not a good thing to say if you're a quarterback of a cold weather team with a dome stadium. Like you wouldn't want to have Kirk Cousins say, "Oh man, I'm so glad we play indoors." 
God, I hate playing outside. I wish we never had to go to Green Bay in January. Like, I mean, you know, he'd get roasted when they do play on the road in the snow. I, I missed the part where Columbus got warm. You know, <laughs> he, he, he didn't play for Florida State. I don't understand this, but I, I haven't looked. The quote could be taken, ripped completely out of uh, context and stuck on a headline. But it's just like, Justin, I love you. I, I think that the team should trade down and get weapons for you. Um, Would you favor getting yes. weapons over getting defensive players, even though they were the last place defense in DVOA? Oh, my God. What a mess. You know, it's tricky because the top of the draft, like even let's say they trade down with the Colts or whatever, you take defensive players there because that's what's there. Right. Very the best th- players, other than the quarterbacks, the best players in the draft this year are defensive players. Defensive players. When you get in the middle rounds, I would be strafe attacking the offensive line, strafe attacking the receiver core because it is below NFL replacement value, particularly the receiver core. And while – I don't think there's a lot of top, top, top receivers like we normally see in a draft class. There's plenty of depth that you could get out there day two, day three, fourth round, whatever. Get some receivers, get some offensive linemen. So I would say, like, say you make one trade down, marquee defense, defensive player, you know, get your Jalen Carter, get your Will Anderson, get one of those corners, et cetera, and then attack the offense because you're not going to have anything if you don't create some kind of structure where you can evaluate your quarterback. Danny Young says, if the Bears keep fields and he doesn't develop, they're probably in line to take a quarterback again next year, which is true. Yeah. yeah. Thornton says, if you trade down and get an extra first round for next year, you can do what the Eagles did with Hurts this year and be prepared either way, which is right. true. The Eagles, by trading down, you know, trading down last year and getting another first round pick, they were prepared for either Hurts to be really good or right. for the person to be bad and have to replace him. And it turned out that he was really good. Yep. Yep. That's a good way of hedging the bet and managing the resources. All right. Number three, we hit a little bit already, but it's Lamar Jackson contract nonsense. Yeah. 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 I mean, let's, they're going to put the franchise tag on him sometime. I feel like we're going to talk about this and talk about this and talk about this and talk about five teams Lamar Jackson could be traded, and then they're just going to put the franchise tag on him, and he's just yeah. going to be back. And the clock's going to run, and he's going to show up and play for the tag, potentially, because it's going to be the best option for him. And that's the worst part of this. We're going to talk about this for weeks, and we're going to pay the man, and Lamar's this and Lamar that, and he might just end up just going out there for the franchise tag and hopefully playing well, hopefully being healthy. Um, but so much of we're, we're we're really talking so often now about this theoretical 2019 version of version of Lamar Jackson, who I loved, but isn't necessarily the guy we're seeing. Now you're going to tell me right now that when he was healthy, and you're right, that Ravens offense was phenomenal. that Ravens offense was very very good when he was healthy. Yes, right, right. And then the, we have the this. way too early projections because I used just Lamar Jackson game comes out with Baltimore third. What I would hope to see is the Ravens come to him with a long-term deal, which they have some um, incentive to do this because they can finagle the salary cap if they put a bonus that they can prorate. And it's something that he realizes, like, this is a reasonable deal, and he takes it. But it's not going to be $250 million. And it's, yeah, it's not going to be guaranteed. That's the thing right. is no – especially after Deshaun Watson came out and sucked for six games. <laughs> Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do the guaranteed deal. Right. I feel like the Ravens would make him the number one paid quarterback in the league if they didn't have to give him the guaranteed, a fully guaranteed deal. Right. That's the sticking. Right. 
Exactly. Exactly. And the, the deal that was talked about the beginning of last year seemed like a reasonable deal. It was on par with the Kyler Murray deal. But that white elephant of a Deshaun Watson deal, if you keep chasing it, keep chasing it, you're chasing it. Let me just say, you better be healthy for an entire season. And you better not have not just your own team, but franchises around the league. Give them reasons to say no, because they will. Number two. Aaron Rodgers trade nonsense and Aaron Rodgers coffin of darkness nonsense. Coffin of darkness. We were talking in Arizona, folks, and we're trying to figure out what kind of song coffin of darkness was. We landed on the Pesh Mode slash yes. Joy Division it's a new Pesh Mode song about Aaron Rodgers' coffin of darkness. He's so deep in the darkness. At first, I was thinking metal, but it, Aaron Rodgers ain't metal. He might think no, he's but metal. no, he's much more a Depeche Mode guy. He is a Depeche Mode kind of guy. And what did, did he say something to the effect that he was filming himself in the darkness? In the darkness, retreat? which seems dark, honestly, to film yourself in the darkness. That doesn't seem like it would be well lit because of <laughs> yes. darkness. Yeah, he's got the lens cap on. I mean, I, I don't understand. Maybe he's using what do you call it? The the uh the night vision goggles. Night vision goggles, and he's walking around filming himself in darkness, but nothing masturbatory about that, folks. Um, but, you know, I mean, what, what do we have to say about Rogers nonsense? We're I think it's sort of connected with our number one nonsense category, but some of it is just um, I don't know if he goes to another team, if he suddenly becomes last year's Aaron Rodgers again, or has he gone off the cliff a little? But I do know that he brings with him all kinds of nonsense distractions. Yes. Yes. Um, and usually we usually we we blow off the idea of distractions because the ultimate answer to distractions is winning. Uh -huh. And if you play well, distractions don't matter, right? Distractions right. only matter when you don't play well, but we don't know if Rogers is the guy who plays well, or is he the average guy that he was this? I mean, DVOA like with Brady DVOA felt Rogers was a little bit above average because of his ability to avoid bad plays. Right. right? He didn't have as many good plays but he also right. didn't have that many bad plays because he plays kind of super conservative now. Right. But, I mean, he always has, right? I mean, Rodgers has always been very, very low on interceptions. Yes. So I don't know if we're going to like, we're going to expend all this podcast time and column inches on Rodgers only to have him go somewhere and be mediocre and bring that team from mediocrity to more mediocrity. Mediocrity. Right, and the number one team on the list is is a likely contender for that. But we could also blow all of this because we blew a lot of it last year, and have him give one of his great philippics and you know diatribes to the press, and then walk into Green Bay Packers camp like he's really two straight years we've done this with Rodgers, where it's like speculation, speculation. Oh, Jeopardy! Oh, this! Oh, yes. dark chamber of darkness, etc. And it's like he goes out there and and like gives a State of the Union address. And about all of his errors, all of his grievances and shows up again. And it's like, was this trip really necessary? Fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. Well, I'll do anything for the clicks. All right. I will say he did say yes. that Brady's retirement would not stop him from retiring if he felt that was the right decision to make. Right. I don't know whether that's true or not, but he said. Right. <laughs> and our, 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 our number one piece of nonsense connected to Rogers, I think, mm -hmm. is the Jets want to be a contender nonsense. Yeah, I think Thordane wants to uh, 
wants to comment on that. He's he's itching for this. And I, I don't think the Jets are a bad team. And maybe I'm being a little pessimistic when I talk about this. But like I like in my own timeline, I saw the Jets fans really oh here it comes, really revving up about this team. And this team has a lot of work to do. Yes, Thordane says, as a Jets fan, the 2022 team with Rodgers would have been a wildcard team, but the 2023 team has a couple of young stars and not much depth. Acting like a 40-year-old's Rodgers makes us a heavyweight is dumb. Well, I think Thordane is sort of in agreement with us. The problem with the Jets, the biggest problem with the Jets is that defense is less consistent than offense. Yes. And you cannot go into next year saying the Jets have a great defense. Right. Because in general, defense is more variable, and then there's a good chance that the Jets will only have an average defense next year, which means it's not like, oh, if we only add Aaron Rodgers to this, we're a playoff team because you're not adding Aaron Rodgers to this. Right. What you're adding Aaron Rodgers to is not what you think it is. Right, and that's exactly it. If there's any kind of defensive regression, that's an issue. Obviously, Sauce Gardner is a heck of an addition. Obviously, Garrett Wilson's a heck of an addition. I think last year's draft class overall was strong. I look up and down that roster and I say, you know, this was a team that kind of fell off the, the wild card race by merit. Yeah. By not having a, enough on the offensive line, even though there were a lot of guys who had experience on the offensive line, on not having enough depth at the skill positions to overcome this revolving door quarterback. Right. There it is. So Dane's saying it. Uh, they need to find a pair of tackles. Because I don't know if Mekhi Becton's ever going to be healthy. I think the George Fancel left tackle thing was a small sample size meme type of thing where he had a couple of good games. Um, figure out the linebackers core. That's that's doable. Okay. Solve things with Elijah Moore. And I don't know how what direction that goes in. I loved Elijah Moore coming out of school. But do you ever notice how the Jets' first round pick always becomes the problem? Always right. becomes the problem. Maybe the problem is not the picks themselves. Maybe it's the Jets. Maybe it's the Jets. And like and you replace the coach, like, well, not with Soleil. That, you know, they run a tight ship there. And yet something about the way the organizations run, the way New York interacts with these guys, they always seem to become the problem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, has noticed, yes. and the other is Sauce and Reed. We want to believe that Sauce and Reed will be as good again next year. Yes. Cornerbacks are the most inconsistent position. Like, no matter whether you use uh, charting stats Mm -hmm. where you use PFF grades, like however you judge cornerbacks, that's yeah. always been found to be, or even anecdotally, right? It's always right. been found to be the least consistent opinion, uh, position. And we want to believe that Sauce is in that very, very rare, uh, you know, category of cornerbacks who are really good every single year like Revis was. Mm -hmm. But until we see him do it, we can't believe that it will be true. Uh, yeah, I, I actually peeked at some of the PFF numbers for him, and they're beyond outstanding. Yeah, so, I mean, to the point where he could, he could drop off twenty percent and still be a Pro Bowler. But if he drops off twenty percent and is still a Pro Bowler, that affects the Jets' ability to win games because that's a few more catches, a few more plays, and the defense slides a little bit. Right, and also, but I mean, there have been guys who've been that good in the past and for a year. Right, and then. You know, A.J. Terrell last year. A.J. <laughs> Terrell last year was ridiculously good by both charting stats and PFF grade. And he was not this year the same guy because it's just a really inconsistent position. That's I don't know if that's just the position is inconsistent 
or we just still have not cracked the code of what's the best way to measure cornerbacks in a way that's consistent. Right. But whatever the deal is, it's just the most inconsistent position. Terrell's Falcons, right? But Terrell is from the Falcons, yes. Right. So here's a guy who they get like one sack every three weeks, so that's going to impact his play a little bit. But you're right, there's all these elements that like impact cornerback play. I don't think you're ever going to get a great stat that's like consistent from year to year because – you know, you could use GPS data and so like, oh, there was four yards of separation. Yeah, because it was six seconds after the after the a snap and there was no pass rush. There's all these other factors coming in. And again, I feel comfortable Sauce is going to be a very good player, but I don't know about Reed. I don't know about overall. Right. I don't feel the same way about I don't to me, I feel like I have more confidence that Sauce will repeat this year or come close to it than yeah. that Reed will repeat this year or come yes. close to it. Right. Right. And so Rams says they're not the 2021 Rams and Rogers may be Matt Stafford level, but is he worth the cost when the rest of the team still isn't great? And again, like with Favre, I know spiritually how this ends. Spiritually, spiritually. I understand yes. not wanting to go through the Favre year again, although Favre was hurt in his one year for the Jets. And he did come back and play awesome for the Vikings the following year and then fell off the cliff. Remember we were in New York when Brett Favre, like we were doing like a New York media tour yeah like came to the jets yeah i believe we're so old. we're old we were doing a meet we were doing a book tour meet and greet uh, yeah that was the last year that we did the book with an actual publisher was 2008 which was yeah. i believe the year that he that was the year that he went to the jets it was the day we were there we were talking we were right? in new york city the day yeah. that he went to the jets yep yeah we're old we're old men we're watching a podcast all right speaking of old Speaking of old, you know, Football Outsiders has been a leader in football analytics for 20 years, and you need to make sure you join FO Plus to get access to it all. Our team is busy on the back end planning new products and features for the site, and the $4.99 a month you spend on an annual membership is the cheapest that FO Plus is going to be for this whole year. Get access to Mike's full deep dive on NFL draft prospects with the upcoming FO100 list and learn about the key incoming skill position players in our Fantasy 40 rankings, plus get premium articles, all of our data, and the Football Outsiders Almanac 2023, plus access to all the previous editions. So lock in the best price of the year for FO Plus right now. Go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Yeah, I am hard at work on all these draft capsules, I'll tell you right now. I was working on them before. You're going to see some really good, amazing, and stat-heavy. A lot more stats this year, insights in the FO plus in the FO 100. Got to be a subscriber, though. And I was hardcore uh, on asking Vince to download a bunch of photos. Downloads what? A bunch of photos of prospects. Oh, good, excellent, excellent. There won't be. I won't, <laughs> won't go way off the deep end there. We'll make sure they have a, a picture. By the way, Bill Monty says, "Glad the Commandos aren't in." On Rodgers, it's Sam Howell time. I'd like to see Sam Howell get an opportunity. I think they should uh, they should hedge that bet a little bit with a. That being game. said, yes, the record of the record of lower round draft picks who become starters in their second year in offensive DVOA is not a good one. What about Tom Brady? Brock Purdy. I didn't go back as far as Tom Brady, but I'm thinking more about uh, Brock Purdy was not in his second year. Right. Uh, but it's not a great record. It's not a great record. Understood. 
Understood. Um, but it's good to not be going after Rodgers. I think I'd agree with that. I think that that's probably true. All right. That does it for today's show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And please subscribe to the show so you know whenever we're doing shows. Tell your friends about the show. We will be here all off-season Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern for our off-season show. Until then, I am Aaron Schatz. That's Mike Tamir. And we will talk to you again next week. Keep enjoying the off-season nonsense.